Awesome. Well, testing is working. Usually, when I have a voice amplification device in this building, I'm announcing at the Jimmy's game. So, if I revert to welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the University of Jamestown, you'll kind of understand why it's uh, an issue. So, you lose your place, just go there. Yeah, I'll just go there if I lose. Just a buck for two. Okay. Um, so, this morning, um, we're going to jump into 2 Timothy 2, starting in verse 19. So, uh, if you go ahead and, and turn your Bibles there. Uh, as most of you guys know, uh, Caleb spent a considerable amount of time in 1 Timothy uh, earlier this year as we looked at the roles of individuals within the church. Right? That message was chock full of reminders of how we should behave and act as member of, members of God's family toward each other and also towards the outside world. Beyond 1 Timothy, as, as we progressed along, Pastor Mark then uh, guided us to focus on forgiveness, right? That forgiveness, without forgiveness, our worship is incomplete. And that message came partially from 2 Timothy. So we continue in 2 Timothy 2, 19 through 26, where the Apostle Paul is preaching a message against false teaching. This message is one of utmost importance as we deal with a culture today of rampant false teaching. Right? The world around us is begging to understand truth. But unfortunately, they're turning to anything but this word. So the ultimate charge this morning is to turn away from the false teaching of the world and turn to there for guidance. As I enter into and before we read this, Let's pray. Dear Lord, please help us learn from your divine guidance and teaching, allowing us the words that you have provided to penetrate our minds, but most importantly, to penetrate our hearts. Lord, please allow me to be a mere conduit for your truth. Lord, that that truth would resonate with us as we continue on this week ahead. Lord, we recognize that this time of worship with you is not to be taken lightly, but is an opportunity to show, to know you more, and grow in relationship with you. We pray that we, as we approach your word, we don't look at it as, what does this mean to me? But instead, we look at it to say, help me see your truth, and understand how that applies to me. Please help us in this moment to move aside any thoughts that are not focused on you so that we can grow closer to you. Lord, remove the distractions and thoughts from our minds. We enter your word and thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as a context for 2 Timothy, uh, before we jump into to reading 19 through 26, we find Paul is in a Roman, a Roman prison. Right? And this is his second time in a Roman prison. The first time he was released about six years prior. But at this point, Nero, the, the Roman emperor, is persecuting Christians left and right. And Nero finds himself in prison with no hope of getting out. The Apostle Paul knows when he's writing this letter that he's facing death. That he is going to die for what he has proclaimed. And so, he's abandoned by everyone, and he's writing this letter 
here in 2 Timothy to appeal to Timothy as a person to bear the torch onward, right? As someone to continue with Paul's teaching, to continue with the Word of God, to take it to the rest of the world. Right? So that, that message applies to us today, right? Because we now are the torchbearers. We are the ones who are taking on and continuing the good work of Jesus Christ. And so I pray as we, we dive into this that, that that would be an area of focus on our minds, right? That we wouldn't discard this word or this truth as something that's antiquated or not applicable, but that it's something that truly should resonate in our hearts as torturers of Christ. So let's jump into it, starting with 2 Timothy 19. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are His, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes, and some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, wickedness, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil, who has taken them captive to do his will. So as we look at this passage, I'm going to break it into three sections here. First, I'm going to look at verses 19 and point to the, and, and look at the point that God knows we are His, right? And that we must turn from wickedness. I'll continue with verses 20 and 21, and, and we'll talk about the idea that we're His special creation, right? That we're prepared to do a good work, and... Finally, we'll, we'll wrap up by looking at verses 22 and 26 to the point where we are charged to avoid quarrel and foolish argument, right? That we must instead seek forgiveness and peace in the world. So looking at that, that first point, verses 19 and 20, I'm going to read that again. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. Sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Now when I was praying over this and, and was looking at these words, the thing that jumped out to me was, the Lord knows who are his. Right? It's a reminder about what Caleb spoke to a few weeks ago in 1 Timothy, that he knows 
right? And, and, and Mark actually talked about it this morning as well, right? That, that we can't hide behind some Christian facade, right? We can't hide behind the false truth that we ourselves are good, right? That, um, yeah, with, with Christ there's no pretending, right? There's no hiding, uh, there's no tricking him into thinking that, that we are good, right? And, and when we come to that acknowledgement, right, if we can first recognize that there's nothing in us that is good, just like, just like Mark explained, when the Pharisee realizes, right, when the Pharisee in us realizes that no matter how good I have the ritual down, that it's not good enough. And that's when we come in relationship with the Lord. So I know for me, right, this is a struggle. Right? We have so many facades, right? Perfect family, perfect wife, perfect house under construction. Um, <laughs> but we do that, right? And, and we put on this idea that, oh, Blaze has it all together. Right, that he's walking in the way, the truth, and the life at all times, right? That, that he has it together. But founded in this scripture, we're reminded that the Lord knows. Right? He knows the argument we have with our friend on Thursday evening. He knows the struggle that we're having in figuring out and, and understanding what our spouse wants and needs. Right? So, this morning, I pray that we confess. Right? I pray that we confess right now that we're broken. Right? That we would admit to God in this moment that without Him, we're nothing. That these facades are meaningless in our relationship with Him. Beyond that, this verse then in the second half calls for us to turn from wickedness. Right? These words challenge me to acknowledge that apart from God, I'm wicked. Right? Again, building on that point, right? That I am wicked, therefore I need God. Right? And these verses are, are switched around, but, but that's what it's saying, right? And so um, with that, one thing that was pressing upon my heart here was just, and again, the, uh, the Holy Spirit's guidance of, of David Platt's video and, and Mark's words of wisdom, right? That, that we need to press into authentic Christian community, right? To be transparent about those facades we put up, right? To be willing to share those struggles that we have. Because it's in those moments where we're transparent, where we're honest with ourselves, where we're honest with those around us about the things that hurt and are hard, that we grow closer to Him. God, through community, makes the brokenness beautiful. So this week, charge you to, to also be in prayer about those things. You're not being real with yourself, right? 
And then to also be in prayer about being willing to humble yourself to those around you, right? Be willing to come to community group or be willing to, to share with anyone in your life the things that are burdening you, right? The things that are holding you back. And we'll see that this week as we pray through those things, as we admit those things, as we give those things to the Lord and to each other, who will then give them to the Lord, that we will have a peace that we can't understand. So that brings us to the second point as we, as we turn then to verses 20 and 21, which says, In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes, and some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. So as I read those two verses, right, the Lord laid upon my heart that we should be continually hearing and seeking His call. Right? That, that He calls it in here an instrument for, for special purposes, for noble purposes, right? That, that sometimes the Lord may call us in, in a long-term call, right? That, um, you know, that we feel called to, to live in authentic community, right? That the Lord brought Mark and Julia and Caleb and Rebecca here to, to help guide us and steward us to what a Christian family looks like, right? Where we're raising our children in the word of the Lord, where we're admitting our faults to each other and praying continually for each other. But beyond that, that noble purpose, right, that kind of overarching call, the Lord, and I'll, I'll admit here, you know, a lot of times you end up preaching to yourself, right? So the, the challenge here, and something that was pointed out in this verse to me, was that Sometimes we're so focused on the, the big picture, right? The strategic call, right? That, that overall I'm called to this, right? And, and if you're like me, you're, you're planning, right? You're, you're trying to take the small steps to reach that bigger picture, whatever that may be, right? That we're, we're trying to think long-term that, Lord, what are you going to have me do over my lifetime? Right, Lord, what do you want me to do in the next five years, in the next ten years? Right? We start to, to lay out that path, right? The the challenge and, and something that that was in here to me though was that sometimes that can be a, a huge challenge, right? That Satan can use those long-term plans, right? Those those things where we build up those busy tasks in our lives, task over task over task, to meet this long vision. And in the short term, we're missing what God's putting in front of us in the moment. Right? We're, we're so focused on the future and what God's going to deliver in five years and in ten years that we forget to be obedient in the present. 
We forget to live and answer the call to be his instruments for everyday purposes, right? Not for grand schemes, not for huge long-term visions, which will come, right? Don't get me wrong, those will come. But it cannot allow us to lose our focus on the present, right? So, um, so with that, you know, this week my prayer, and, and where that comes from, right, is that, um, that we're prepared to do any good work, right, that, that in the immediate we need to be prepared to answer God's call. Right, so, <laughs> you know, for each of us that looks a little different, right? And I can't sit here and say, well, you're being too strategic focused and, you know, oh, you're doing a great job of answering God's everyday call, right? That's something we have to truly analyze in ourselves, right? We have to spend time in, with the Lord to allow Him to reveal uh, those things, right? And so, um, yeah, I just, the charge then is, is to put aside the planned busyness, right? To, to try and focus on the moment. And like I said, that, that may look different for, for each person, right? I mean, um, for one person, it might be as I'm going through my busy day and I have a coworker that's wondering what's going on in the world, right? What is, how, what, what is with this violence, right? What is, what's going on here? I don't understand, right? What do I turn to when the world is crumbling around me? You know, we have our tasks and, and at work, I got to get this done. I don't have time to to talk with you about why the world is crumbling, right? Or, or who you should turn to when you have this feeling of hopelessness. But the call this week is to answer that, right? Is to live in the moment and understand what God is calling to you right now. Maybe that's, you know, the single mom that has two kids on her hip and can't, you know, load the groceries in the car. Right? The Lord might be impressing upon you, serve her. Right? Serve her. Even though you just wanted a quick stop to Hugo's before dinner and you've got to get home and this is... Right? Listen to the Lord. And if he's calling you to stop and put some groceries in the car, right? do that. So, again, I, I just ask uh, this week that we're attentive to that. Right? That, we, that we live in the present, that we seek him... Praying continually, right? As the scripture calls us, praying continually so that we can understand his guidance in each moment, right? Not in the grand scheme, but in each present moment of each and every day. And that takes me to my third and final point, looking at verses 22 and 20 through 26. These verses say, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. 
And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct, in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. And that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Now a couple words that, that the Lord pointed out to me in, in this set of verses was the idea of a pure heart. Right in verse 22 it says, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Right, and it got me asking myself, how many times am I truly falling on the Lord out of a pure heart? Right, where I'm setting aside my own selfishness and crying out to the Lord, help me, Lord. And instead, out of a pure heart, trying to pursue love, right, to understand his peace, right, to, to seek him in those moments. As we continue, right, those, the ideas of righteousness, faith, love, and peace, we know that only the Lord can provide those, right? But so many times in our lives we're pursuing everything else first to get those, right? That I'll be at peace when, right, my house construction project is over, right? I'll be at peace when... The baby is born and we have our family all in order and everything's back to normal. Right? I'll be at peace when I get back to school and I can have the normalcy and the comfort of a normal class schedule and getting back to school. Right? And instead, we're called to to seek faith, love, and peace, right, in the moment. <clears throat> so, the other thing that, that really stuck out to me here is that in verses 25, in verse 25 it says, Those who oppose him he must gently instruct in the hope that God, that God will grant them repentance. Right? Not that extra point that we have to make to try and be right. right? Not that, uh, you know, as we're thinking about how we can um, convince some, someone to do something, right? Instead of using that energy to try and do something ourselves, right? To think of one more point or, or try and find one more scripture myself here to, to prove my point. Right? This verse is asking us to appeal to God. Right? That He is the one that will deliver them. Not the truth or the point that I'm trying to drive home. Right? But that God will. Right? That He's calling us to pray to Him to change those around us. Right? And in this context, it's talking about argument and quarrel. Right? And so we get into an argument, right? 
And this verse is calling us to instead of make that one final point, right, to win that argument, to instead pray for the person with which you are quarreling. Right? To, to turn to him instead of your own accord in the time of argument. Right? And that he is the one that will gently instruct. Right? That he is the one that will bring them to a knowledge of the truth. He is the one that will allow them to escape from the trap of the devil. Right? Not our words, although he uses us, right? But how many times do we, again, take it upon ourselves to do it when we could be using that time to, to cry out to the Lord, right? To, to repent ourselves. Now, I have a, a very recent example of this in my own life. And I don't share this story to say, oh, Blaze, you actually forgave someone once. Good job, gold star. Um, but hopefully, share this story as a way to, to relate, right? I would hope that this type of anecdote is something that has happened in your life as well, right? That, that this is something that happens in, well, it's an argument, so I hope it doesn't happen in your house, but it could. Um, so, recently, um, you know, and I guess I'm going to start this with the most challenging, most rewarding and the most challenging relationship that most of us face is with our spouse, right? She's chuckling because last time Bill preached, he, uh, <laughs> he got in trouble by his spouse, so I'm going to try not to. But, um... The most rewarding and challenging relationship is with our spouse, right? And the reason is this relationship calls for continual, not sporadic, forgiveness, right? That there is a, a day after day, conversation after conversation element, the, the accusations and the arguments and the things that we're not agreeing on add up and add up and add up, right? And so, recently, you know, and Friday night, um, <laughs> it's, it's starting to get late, right? And so, I'm downstairs, we're, we're remodel, remodeling our home, and I'm downstairs trying to get one more thing done, right, before I head to bed. My beautiful pregnant wife has already sauntered upstairs to, to rest, and I'm, I'm working away, right? And my wife knows that I need to spend more time with this. <laughs> she knows that I need to hash out some things with the Lord, that I need some time with Him to understand what I should share with you today. And so, about 10 o'clock, she comes back downstairs and says, Honey, you know, I know this is... You know, I know you're working hard and you're trying to get this done, but, you know, don't you think you should go work on your sermon? Right? And I, you know, in my narrow, focused mind, task over task, right, this thing to the next, I snapped back. I need to get this done. This needs to get done right now. 
you don't understand, this is my priority. Wow. Book <laughs> in mouth. So she headed back upstairs and, you know, not exactly in a happy mood because of how I treated her. And as I continued to work on putting the hardware in the cabinet, I stewed, right? <laughs> I was angry. Oh, how could she tell me? I know what I need to do. You know, I know this is the most important thing, right? I stewed. And the Lord worked on my heart. Praise God. He was reminding me not to quarrel. Right? That, that, that foolish argument is not a need in this world, right? That we're not called to have to be right. Right? That my priorities, I know them, right? Or or you know, my actions, I'll speak for my actions, let me be, right? But in but the Lord just continued to press upon me and only took about two knobs worth. <laughs> but the Lord pressed upon me that I was wrong, right? That my wife was guiding me in the way that she should, right? That, that this silly argument not only was silly, but I was wrong, right? And so, after couple more minutes of prayer and, you know, double-checking with the Lord to make sure that I should go upstairs to ask for forgiveness. I headed upstairs to ask for forgiveness. And the amazing thing, right, is that the moment I apologized, a peace washed over me. It can't even be explained. How petty is this? You need to, to work on your sermon instead of the knobs. Right? But it burdens your heart. Right? It burdens your heart. And so, when I said, honey, forgive me, and I'm sorry that I didn't show you the love of Christ like you deserve. In Christ. This peace just over me. Amazing. Right? And so, this story, like I said, is hope, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm, I'm not hopeful that you can relate to this story, right? I, I hope you all have perfect marriages where you don't quarrel. But my hope is that, that you can relate to that, right? And, and more importantly, my hope is that, um, that this story shows us that this scripture is true, right? That, and not that we need stories to prove that scripture is true, right? But that it's a reminder, right? That that peace that comes from turning to God, right? To, to turning to God to avoid quarrel and ask for forgiveness, right? Which it says throughout these passages. That it does provide a peace that surpasses all understanding. Right? That it does allow us to grow closer to the Lord as we repent and acknowledge that we are wrong. 
So, this week I ask that you meditate on this scripture. Right? That you pray to avoid foolish arguments. Right? That instead of snapping back like Blaze did, and I'm sure you do sometimes as well, that instead we would pray to be filled with grace. Right? That we'd be filled with mercy. That we'd be filled with love. Right? And beyond that, I pray that if in the moment we cannot avoid foolish argument, that we would pray for the Lord's guidance. Right? And as it says in Scripture, to um, to turn to the Lord, right? To to pray for to pray for those who are opposing you, right? Whoever you've had this argument, right? To to pray for them, right? And that what may occur is that your heart may be changed, right? That the Lord might instead of instructing them, which He may do as well, and that's our prayer, right? But that He also may work on us, right? That He may be steering our heart towards a closer and deeper relationship with Him as we are able to, to forgive the Lord. So in conclusion, the charge this week is threefold. You'll notice that all three of these charges start with be in prayer, right? And, and I cannot stress enough the value of prayer, right? I talked about before, a lot of times in our human nature, our our propensity is do, 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 right? How can I act, right? But that falls short of the glory of God because we can only do so much, right? And so all of these charges, again, begin in prayer because we cannot underestimate the power of prayer, right, as we call on God. And so, you know... <coughs> Be in prayer this week. Spend some extra time with the Lord. Work to be in continuous prayer, right? To allow Him to give you those opportunities. So one, be in prayer about areas of your life where you aren't being real with yourself. Right? That first point, where am I being a hypocrite or where am I putting up this facade for everyone? Right? Maybe it's your marriage. Oh, we have a perfect marriage, right? You're bragging to other people about, you know, about your marriage and, and how great it is when deep inside you know that you're going to have to go home and, and deal with the fight you had last night, right? That we would humble ourselves to share those things with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And most importantly, that we'd humble ourselves to repent and share those things with the Lord in prayer. Secondly, be in continual prayer and seek opportunities that the Holy Spirit is putting in front of you at a moment's notice. Right? Be aware of the Spirit and what the Lord is putting in front of you right now. Not the ten tasks you have to meet a big strategic vision. Right? But what is the Lord telling me to do in this moment right now? So I pray that we would be in prayer that we would recognize those opportunities, that we would seek those opportunities, that we would understand 
Lord is putting those in our lives and act upon them. And finally, I would pray that we would meditate on this scripture and follow its directive in praying to avoid foolish arguments. And if one occurs, pray for the Lord's guidance in the life of your argument opponent. Right? And I am confident that if we do that, if we admit the quarrels, no matter how small, right, that we would allow God to reveal to us, what are the things that are stirring in my heart that are really bothering me? Right? What are the things, whether it's a little argument about priorities over knobs or sermon, or, you know, a situation at work where you're struggling to, to communicate with an employee, a fellow employee, right, that we would take those things to the Lord, right, that we would pray about those things, that we would, that we would not try and take another action ourselves without seeking the counsel of the Lord. So, as I end, I pray that we would pray, right, I pray that we would acknowledge and understand that Prayer is our access to the Lord, and that we would seek those things that I just mentioned. With that.